They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Thursday, the uh, 13th day of August. The Fatima um, apparition, by the way, that wasn't. Our Lady came, but the children were in prison. So um, we want to look at the scriptures for the day, not just the gospel. We want to take a look at the Ezekiel and then the Psalm also. And remind you that there's a couple of major feasts coming up, particularly the Assumption mm. of Mary, the 15th, which is Saturday, and also St. Maximian Colby on the 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, he died on the Vigil of the Assumption. So, um, And then we're, we, we also have a, a beautiful feast on uh, Monday this week. Um, August 10th was the Feast of St. Lawrence the Deacon. So hopefully we'll get to say a few things about him before this show is oh, over. Oh, yeah. We want to start, though, with the prophet Ezekiel. This is the reading for Thursday of the 19th week in ordinary time, and it falls this year on August 13th. Ezekiel 12, 1 through 12. And the Lord tells Ezekiel, Son of man, you live in the midst of a rebellious house. They have eyes to see, but do not see, and ears to hear, but do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Now, son of man, during the day, while they are looking on, prepare your baggage as though for exile, and again, while they are looking on, migrate from where you live to another place. Perhaps they will see that they are a rebellious house. You shall bring out your baggage like an exile in the daytime while they are looking on. In the evening again, while they are looking on, you shall go out like one of those driven into exile. While they look on, dig a hole in the wall and pass through it. While they look on, shoulder the burden and set out in the darkness. Cover your face that you may not see the land, for I have made you a sign for the house of Israel. I did as I was told. During the day I brought out my baggage as though it were that of an exile. And in the evening, I dug a hole through the wall with my hand, and while they looked on, set out in the darkness, shouldering my burden. Then in the morning, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, did not the house of Israel, that rebellious house, ask you what you were doing? Tell them, thus says the Lord God, this oracle concerns Jerusalem and the whole house of Israel within it. I am a sign for you, As I have done, so shall it be done to them. As captives, they shall go into exile. The prince who is among them shall shoulder his burden and set out in darkness. Going through a hole he has dug out in the wall and covering his face, lest he be seen by anyone. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so the prophet is, he's assigned to his people. What is it? You know, God will tolerate evil for a certain amount of time. You're applying this to today, correct? Yes, to today. But what, in, in this historical context, what mm-hmm. is it? The people of Israel had fallen into idolatry. Mm-hmm. They were worshiping false gods. And God wants to warn them, if you keep it up, you're going to lose everything. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let your enemies triumph over you, and you will be crushed underfoot, and you will go into exile and this, so this is what the prophet does. He takes his little belongings and he puts them in an a, a exile's package and goes out and, and he digs a hole in the wall. And yes, literally dig a hole in the wall. It mm-hmm. was the, 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 you know, the street, it wasn't concrete. 
they sometimes had like sandstone type walls where you right. could actually dig a hole with your hand in some in certain parts of the wall. And so he goes forth. Well, what about us? Today we have, you know, this coronavirus going on. We have all of this upheaval in our country, in the United States, we're not used to. We're not used to this kind of um, chaos and confusion. I mean, it's happened a couple of times. We had the, the, the riots in 1964, and we had the, um, uh, the Rodney King incident in the 90, 90s that, that brought up some, you know, political upheaval. And, and this has been building because there's this narrative going on that we're, everybody and everybody's the enemy of everybody else. Well, the reality is, is sin is the enemy of all of us, Amen. and we all have a common enemy. By the way, everybody out there, regardless of the color of your skin, you know, regardless of the amount of money you make, regardless of where you live or don't live, um, we all have one enemy, the devil. And he wants to take us all to hell. And hell is not a nice place to be. Mm -hmm. you know? It's a pretty miserable, wretched place. As a matter of fact, where the worm dies not and the fire is never extinguished and the curses are continuous. Um, so and speaking of Fatima, the children of Fatima were shown a vision of hell by Our Lady. And, and they said that the, the people were falling, souls were falling into hell like the autumn leaves falling from the trees. And if you've ever been uh, in the autumn where the, where the trees are losing their leaves because of the cold, yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like a rain. You have this rain of just leaves falling. And, and Our Lady said they go there because they have no one to pray and sacrifice for them. So in our times, people are saying, but I've gone to church. I've been faithful to the Lord. I'm, you know, I... I'm trying not to buy into the culture. And, and so the question is, why is God letting me suffer? Mm. Well, um, you want to ask yourself, who suffered more than anyone else? Jesus Christ. Amen. The only one who was truly innocent suffered more than any of us could ever suffer. If you took all the sufferings of the human beings from the beginning of the world to the end and added them together... It does not equal what Christ himself suffered in his passion. The most innocent. And did his saints have to suffer? Well, what would St. Paul say? You know, some people think, oh, but Jesus did all the suffering, so I don't have to. Well, St. Paul will say, I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Colossians chapter 1. And so we, Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. Suffering came as a punishment for original sin. It came as an intrusion. We lost certain gifts that God gave us that were above and beyond our nature. They were called preternatural. Mm -hmm. That means above and beyond our nature. They were completely gifts. They didn't belong to us. Right. They weren't ours by nature. But God gave them to us because he wanted us to live in communion with himself. And so God has called Israel to be the example to the whole world. They're supposed to bring the world to God. And instead, when they come up against the pagan peoples, they start worshiping the pagan gods. And by the way, they had the same problem we're having. They were sacrificing their children to the pagan gods. Exactly. Uh, people wake up. Yeah, it's going on in our country and has been mm -hmm. since Roe, well, before Roe versus Wade, but especially since Roe versus Wade, which was, was not the will of the people. You know, tell your representatives and your, your congressmen and your senators, you're there to represent me, not to represent your own ideas and your own agendas. You're supposed to be representing me, your yep. constituents. You know, I love it when you write to your congressmen or senators and they say, well, this is my idea. And it's like, well, honey, no, you're not there to represent yourself. You're there to represent me. But without God's grace, we cannot have a country that is self-governed. St. Tom, excuse me, Thomas Jefferson, 
not, not canonizing the guy. Sorry about that. That was a Freudian slip. Thomas Jefferson said this experiment in self-governance, the governmental system of the United States of America, can only work among a godly people. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we have to be answerable to God first. So are we going to be a faithless generation who has eyes that don't see and ears that don't hear? Has God warned us? He's warned us. He sent his mother, by the way, to the children at Fatima to warn them, to tell the world we have to pray and do penance and stop offending God. We have to do our daily duty and, and, and adore Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Stop ignoring him. And, you know, we didn't think it was that bad. bad. You know, we, if we look from our perspective and look back at the 19, you know, 1917, 1918, 1919, yeah, the World War I was ending and it was, you know, World War I was pretty devastating for Europe. We didn't have to see the results of it here except that some of our men were there and they came back wounded. But w- war is a punishment for sin. Amen. And if we don't give up our sins, it's going to get worse. Our lady said that if you, if you listen to me, she told the children at Fatima, if my requests are met, then peace will rule. Because the heart of Jesus will rule. If my requests are not met, there will be another war. Yep. Well, that was World War II. And she gave a sign, and there was a sign that, that, predict, that, that gave a, a, the signal that World War II was coming. Right. Because people didn't listen. And are we listening today? Have we heard? Have we opened our eyes to see? Now, God has allowed us to suffer. As a matter of fact, he's allowed us to suffer the closing of churches. And wake up, everybody. Mm-hmm. When in the history of the world has the church, the bishops of the church, shut down the churches and said, oh, you might get sick, you can't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, who are we worshiping? God made us for himself. Are we afraid of death? Is this Christian? Is this going along with what God has taught us? Jesus came to take away from us the fear of death. He died himself. And his, his, all of his apostles suffered. They were martyred. The only one who wasn't physically martyred was John the apostle, who stood at the foot of the cross with the blessed mm-hmm. mother. And they did boil him in oil, mm-hmm. but it didn't kill him. <laughs> so he died in exile, a very old man. But are we willing to suffer? Are we willing to go against the time and say, you know what? We have to listen to God, not man. We have to obey God rather than man. Are we willing to follow what the Lord has taught us and told us? And it's interesting because what does Psalm 78, the responsorial psalm for for today's reading, say to us? They tempted and rebelled against God the Most High and kept not his decrees. They turned back and were faithless like their fathers. They recoiled like a treacherous bow. Mm. They angered him with their high places and with their idols roused his jealousy. God heard and he was enraged and utterly rejected Israel. And he surrendered his strength. Israel was his strength. He surrendered his strength into captivity. His glory into the hands of the foe. The temple where God dwelt. Israel was his glory. He abandoned his people to the sword and was enraged against his inheritance. God will not tolerate evil. Amen. There comes a point when he he has to say, you've done too much and you won't repent. So now I have to give you punishment due to what you've done. I love what Bishop Sheen says. It's closing time, boys. The watchman is ringing his keys. Seems like... That's a good analogy. We'll come right back, talk about the saint of the day, and much more on the Bible with the Barbers. 
Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eye to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code BMPR to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the internet. www.CovenantEyes.com Code VMPR Live Porn Free. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And thank you, Matthew Arnold, for bringing us back here. And we have the gospel for Thursday of the 19th week in Ordinary Time. It's from Matthew 18, 21 through Matthew 19, 1. And what is this gospel? Peter approached Jesus and asked him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but 77 times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, the master ordered him to be sold along with his wife, his children, and his property in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of the servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When the servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, the fellow servant begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had the fellow servant put in prison until he paid back the debt. 
Now, when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave your entire debt because you begged me to. Should not you have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger, his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. So will your heavenly father do to you unless each of you forgives your brother from his heart. When Jesus had finished these words, he left Galilee and went to the district of Judea across the Jordan. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we have here? Peter thinks he's being very generous. How, must, <laughs> how often must I forgive my brother? Seven times? And that's a generous amount. That's like, yeah, that's a lot, right? And Jesus says 77 times. Now that's, in English, we read that and we think, oh, there's a limit. No, for the Jew reading that, no limit. Without limit, you have to forgive every time someone offends you, okay? And in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I want you to, you know, everybody be aware, the church uses um, all of the scripture to teach us the faith. So in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, if you look at it, it's heavily footnoted from the scripture. And uh, paragraph 982 says, there is no offense, offense, however serious, that the church cannot forgive. There is no one, however wicked and guilty, who may not confidently hope for forgiveness, provided his repentance is honest. Christ, who died for all men, desires that in his church the gates of forgiveness should always be open to anyone who turns away from sin. So we want to repent of our sins and we want to forgive others, okay, and not um, be, be condemning people. It's not for us to condemn anyone. We, can, we need to judge actions. We need to look at an action and say that action is wrong. That's not something I should do. But we can't judge the subjective guilt of anyone. And so we commend everyone to God's mercy. And it's interesting because, you know, you have this connection here with the Our Father, right? How often must I forgive? And, and Jesus will go on to say, unless you forgive your brother from his heart, from your heart. Each of you must forgive your brother from his heart. Okay, we have to forgive one another from the depth of our being. Our relationship with God is about a love relationship. You know what? God loves all of us the same. So if we're harboring grudges against one another, we're hurting ourselves and we're actually putting distance between us and God. And Jesus, when he told the parable of the, last, the lost sheep in paragraph 605 of the catechism, it says that God excludes no one. So it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He didn't make any human being for hell. He didn't make the angels for hell. The angels rejected God, the bad angels, the devils rejected God. So God had to make a place for them that was apart from him. He affirms that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Now this for many is not a restrictive term. It contrasts the whole of humanity with the unique person of the Redeemer who hands himself over to save us. The church, following the apostles, teaches that Christ died for all men without exception. There is not, never has been, and never will be a single human being for whom Christ did not suffer and die. Jesus died to save us all. That doesn't mean necessarily that everyone's going to be saved. Just like Jesus made all the angels to go to heaven. 
They didn't all go to heaven, only the ones who accepted God's will. And the same for men. If we accept God's will and do his will, then we too will go to heaven. So Peter's asking, how, you know, how, how often do I have to forgive? And so Jesus gives an example. This landowner had people who owned him, owed him money. And this man that owed a huge amount. Well, it's interesting because in the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, it says that he owed him 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents is not just a huge amount. It's um, 10,000 talents is 6,000 denarii. That's 20 years worth of wages. Wow. Yeah. And in the reality is the Greek word, because I looked up the Greek, the Greek word actually means 10,000. It could be, it's myriad. It could be translated 10,000 or it could be innumerable. Mm -hmm. Thousands upon thousands were ministering to him and myriads upon myriads were waiting on him. Innumerable. We can't put a number on it. In our, in our, we would say billion upon billion or there was a time when we wouldn't have even thought of trillion dollars, you know, and now it's like, oh, maybe it's trillions upon trillions, you know. So the talent is, is a coin that was equivalent to, to 6,000 denarii, which is 20 years worth of wages. Now, how much did the servant, the other servant, owe? Okay, you have the servant who's been forgiven. He goes out, finds a fellow servant, holds him just a little bit. What does he owe him? He owes him one, not a talent, a denarii. A denarii was, it, was 100 days wages. So the servant owes, you know, you're talking about 20 years worth of wages against Fraction. 100 days of, of yeah. wages. And, and that's in the Greek. And so, but he's not willing to forgive. Hmm. As, and, and do we sometimes do this? This is the question we have to ask ourselves. Am I doing this in my life? Is there someone that I'm holding a grudge against that I say, I can't forgive that person? And we want to tell, there's lots of stories we can tell about forgiveness oh, yeah. that we want to bring in here about yeah. what forgiveness does and what it doesn't do. How does forgiveness help us heal, or does it, does it actually destroy us when we refuse to forgive? I'll let you tell the Mother Angelica story about the commode. Oh, my gosh, the but, sisters. But before she does that, <laughs> I will just mention Dr. Scott Hahn did a recording on CD called The Hidden Power of Forgiveness. For those who don't know it, back in 2005, I started the Lighthouse Catholic Media Company. And we're in over 8,000 parishes where we put CDs in the back of churches. Well, that was one of the most sought-after CDs. Hundreds of thousands of those went out in, over the years. And I got to tell you, so many people would either write to me, but I had a lady in front of me uh, come up to me at a parish in Tucson, Arizona. I'll never forget it. And on a Saturday night, I gave her, she said, can you help me? I have a hard time forgiving my mother. Wow. So I gave her the CD. She listened to it that night. She went and asked for forgiveness to her mother. Wow. Came back for a second mass in Thanksgiving. Praise God. To tell me her story, and she was in tears of joy. Wow. But that's the hidden power of confession. Now, I will give this away if people would... Go and call 877-526-2151 and ask for the hidden power of confession by Dr. Scott Hahn. Hundreds of thousands of these have gone out, but I want you to hear it because if you have someone in your life that you need to ask for forgiveness, this is a good time. Matter of fact, Mary, just over the weekend here at the Sacred Heart Chapel, I think I shared this with you, but I met a gentleman who lives next door to the chapel. And a very nice man, but his, they're not believers. And his wife sometimes would 
be a little testy with me because I'd be cleaning the church and she was, you know, asking. I, I would go and rake the leaves on her side of the property just to make her happy. Yeah. What's it cost? Because she was saying, you're blowing some of the leaves over here. And her tree was dropping everything on our church property. But I didn't, I didn't fight fire with fire. I just hit her with the hidden power of kindness. Well, a month later, I find out that she was hit by a car and died. Wow. wow. And I thought about that. I could have had bitterness with her. Right. But because God gave me the grace to forgive her yeah. and just be kind and right. compassionate, it really struck me this weekend when I found out she had died. Yeah. yeah. So you don't, don't wait to ask for forgiveness is the message. Right. And don't I, I you know, that was um, a personal story. I, I had a sister and she had a friend. This was in grammar school and mm-hmm. they used to fight a lot. And th- my sister would always make up, even if she didn't think that she was the one who was responsible for the for the argument. Mm-hmm. And the last time they had an argument, um, she there was one time they had an argument. She decided I kind of gave it away, but she decided I'm not going to forgive. I'm going to let her come to me mm-hmm. because she was responsible for this. Yeah. And unfortunately, her friend died of meningitis. Wow. Before they made up. And I remember my sister at the funeral, and she was beside herself with yeah. grief. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we need to forgive. We need to not Immediately. wait. Even if I'm not responsible, reach out, reach out. And the story that Mother Angelica told, and it's... it's hey, that's a teaser. We're going to take yeah. a quick break. Okay. Want, and this is a great story you're going to not <laughs> want to hear. It. You're going to want to hear Mother Angelica's story. I just want to also ask you, as you watch this on YouTube or Facebook, yeah. if you can use the um, social dis- social di- no social card where it <laughs> says, you know, you like this yes. and pass it on to your friends. That's how a Bible study spreads. Yeah. So we'd appreciate it if you do that. Also, just wanted to encourage you. Mary Danielle does the Bible study here in Southern California mm-hmm. on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. So if you're here in Southern California, come on down. We'd yeah. love to have you come, have you. even the summer months when nobody else is open. We're trying to go the extra mile, folks, here at Virgin Most Powerful. We know a lot of places are closed, and we're open. Why? Because we want to reach souls, and we don't. We realize there is a little bit of a danger that someone could get COVID-19. So we try to prepare ourselves using social distancing or whatever we can do to help avoid that. But we're not going to stop living. Mary, I like the person's line that says... Uh, says this about living let me live and stop trying to stop in other words make me stop living by trying to follow right. the COVID-19 requirements right. I need right. to be able to have freedom to go visit my friends and visit because it's killing me it's killing we me. call it yeah. collateral damage yeah, yeah. and uh, matter of fact right now at our at our church we have a funeral the gentleman died of COVID-19 elderly man he had a lot of other issues in his health, right? Or he would have probably survived it, but right. he had, you know, breathing problems. So this is serious for those people who are elderly, and we don't uh, want people to get that. We we realize, especially in the rest homes, people need to right. avoid that right, right exactly. now because that's who's most vulnerable. most vulnerable. You're listening to the Bible with the barbers. Are we going to talk about a great saint today when we come back, Mary? Or Mother Angelica first. We want to talk to tell the Mother Angelica story. Oh, about yes, forgiveness. Yes, about forgiveness. And then we want to talk about uh, a great saint. St. Lawrence, pray for us. We'll be right back for the Bible with the Barbers. Don't turn that dial.
Help the Helpless, a Minnesota St. Paul nonprofit organization chaired by Father of Tear and volunteers, is humbly asking you for your kind support to help the poor and the handicapped children in India and Ecuador. Through financial support from the help of the helpless benefactors, the children are provided with clothing, food, education, shelter, and the teachings of the Catholic Church. The mission is to help children thrive and become self-sufficient young adults leading productive lives. We also provide aid to poor families in Ecuador with food baskets, medicines, medical assistance, and help with funeral needs for the deceased. The work in India is done by Father Antonio's organization, St. Mary's. In Ecuador, the work is being done by the Servant Sisters of the Home of Mother. You can call us at 877-762-8857. To learn more, please visit our website, www.helpthehelpless.org. God bless you. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, St. Paul says, So there abide faith, hope, and love, these three. According to St. Ignatius of Antioch, faith is the beginning and love is the end. And God is the two of them brought into unity. Then comes everything else that makes up a Christian. May God grant that we may attain all the virtues that make for authentic followers of his Son. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, Terry promised you before the break that I would tell you a story that Mother Angelica told years ago. Some of you might remember this, but Mother Angelica was talking to a woman, and the woman said to her, Mother, would you pray for my daughters? They haven't, haven't, no. Somebody asked Mother to pray for these two women who hadn't spoken to each other for 20 years. And, and she said, Heaven, oh, my goodness, yes, I'll pray. Well, what's the problem? And, and, and uh, she said, well, they're fighting. Fighting over what? Over a commode. What? Like a commode commode? You go to the bathroom on a commode? Uh, yeah, 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 a commode. Um, well, what? Oh, but mother, I understand. It's, a, it's an inlaid commode. It's, it has gold inlay. And I guess it was left by the grandmother, and they were trying to decide whose it was. And they were fighting over that. So for 20 years. And Mother Angelica said, oh. But she was talking about this on her program. And she said, well, I can just see it now. Um, here they are. They end up in hell. And somebody says, so what are you in for? And they say, a commode. Like a commode commode? Yeah, yeah. But a gold inlaid commode. And, and it's like, well, what, where does Mother Angelica come off saying they would go to hell for this? Well, what does Jesus say in the Our Father? And, 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 you know, seriously. So they're fighting over a gold inlaid commode. Well, what profit does a man show to gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his soul but a gold inlaid commode and suffer the loss of your soul? Well, why did Mother assume that 
if they didn't forgive one another, they might not get to heaven. Well, what does Jesus say in the Our Father? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive, okay? And so Jesus is telling us that we have to be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. We must be merciful even as your Heavenly Father is merciful. He tells us, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So it's impossible to keep the Lord's commandment by imitating the divine model from the outside. Okay, there has to be a vital participation coming from the depths of the heart in the holiness and mercy and love of our God. We have to participate in the holiness, mercy, and love of our God. And I'm reading from paragraph 2842 of the Catechism. Okay, the commentary on the Our Father. So only the spirit by whom we live can make ours the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God. He not, did not deem equality with God a thing to be grasped at, but rather emptied himself and took the form of a slave and became obedient unto death. Um, so look at Galatians 5.25 and Philippians 2.1 and then 5. So then the unity of forgiveness becomes possible and we find ourselves forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us, Ephesians 4.32. And again, be aware that the Catechism of the Catholic Church has tremendous commentary on the scriptures. If you have the Ignatius Study Bible, um, or if you don't, maybe you can get one, especially the New Testament edition, and then go to the, because in there, what they do, Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch, they would give you references to the catechism. So certain verses in the scripture, what does the catechism have to say about those verses in the New Testament? Beautiful, beautiful. So the words of our Lord on forgiveness, the love that loves to the end becomes a reality. The parable of the merciless servant, which crowns the Lord's teaching on the ecclesiastical community, ends with the words, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Okay, that's the one we read today from Matthew's gospel. We have to forgive one another from the heart. It is there, in fact, in the depths of the heart that everything is bound or loosed. It is not in the power, it is not in our power, excuse me, not in our power to feel or to forget an offense. Are we listening? It is not in our power to not to feel or to forget an offense. The church isn't saying, I, I'm not supposed to feel anger if I'm hurt. Or I'm not supposed to feel the offense if I'm hurt. The church is not saying, I have to forget over offense. Jesus is saying, I have to forgive. Forgive. I make the act of the will to forgive. The heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit turns injury into compassion and purifies the memory in transforming the hurt into intercession. So when I am hurt, I have to acknowledge that I've been hurt and allow myself to feel the feeling. Don't short circuit the emotions. God made the emotions. The, the emotion of anger was given by God to move us to correct injustice. So if I've been hurt now, sometimes the hurt is just I'm hurt. My, my pride's been hurt. Sometimes there's a real serious injustice. People have been molested or abused and 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 sometimes we can't correct that. We're not in a position. Sometimes it happened to us when we were children, but we need to feel the emotion of anger that comes with the injustice, and then make the act of the will. Lord, I don't consent to the sin of anger, but I acknowledge that there's an injustice here, and I acknowledge that I feel angry, but I want to make the act of the will to forgive. 
And it may take time for the body to forgive. And I, I've told this story before about the man whose son was murdered. He was in, the man was doing prison ministry. His son was not murdered because it was premeditated. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He witnessed a crime and the criminal killed him. Um, the man found himself unable to go back to the prison for two years to visit the prisoners. But when he, when he heard of his son's death, he immediately made the act of the will to forgive the prisoners. To forgive, excuse me, forgive the man who killed his son. And the, he told the priest who was doing prison ministry with, I can't go back right now. I need my emotions, need time to heal. The priest waited two years, and then he called him and said, do you think you could come back? And the man said, you know, I think I can. And when he came back, they went to visit a man on death row. And the man on death row said, I just wish that I knew that the, the man whose son I killed forgives me before I die. And the, the, the layman looked at him and said, oh, I'm sure he does. And the prisoner thought, oh, you're just a pious, you know, Joe, six, you know, who are you to say that? And, he's, and that's what he said. That's so easy for you to say. And the man looked at him and said, no, you murdered my son. And I do forgive you. He had made that act of the will two years earlier. He'd given his emotions time to heal. So when he was face to face with the man who actually killed his son, he was able to say, yes, I do forgive you. And so both of them were able to come to complete peace and reconciliation. And the man who had done the murder knew that he could accept the mercy of God. And this is what we have to strive for. And sometimes people have heard us and we just think, well, no, they, you know, it's like the woman whose husband, and this is a true story. Her husband was a drunk. He was an alcoholic. And every Saturday night he would go out and get drunk. And then Sunday morning he'd go to church. He was Catholic. They were Catholic. They'd go to church and he would beg father to hear his confession. And most of the time father would. Sometimes he'd refuse. But most of the time he would hear his confessions. So finally, when the man was dying, he received the last rites and he got to make his confession and he got the blessing of the church. He had this weakness he couldn't overcome, like St. Mark G. Tianqian, who died a martyr for the faith in the Boxer Revolution, who was an opium addict. And he begged God to help him overcome the addiction, and he never was able to. Well, this man wasn't able to overcome his addiction to alcohol. And when he received the last rites and the blessing of the church, his wife said, well, I don't want to go to heaven if he's in heaven. <gasps> no, I understand that you've suffered, and there's been a lot of pain because of his drinking. But God wants us all to go to heaven. He wants us to be able to forgive one another. Turn to the Lord and ask him for the grace to be able to forgive. We have to be able to forgive. That unforgiveness tears us apart. It destroys us and it destroys any possibility of love in our life. We don't want to live with unforgiveness. We need to let it go. Beg God for the grace. Make the act of the will to forgive. And say, Lord, I, you know, be honest. You know, I still feel the hurt. I still remember the incident. You don't have to forget them. Just every time you remember them as this one priest, a deaf priest, he said, you know, they say, forgive and forget. And he said, I'm like an elephant. I never forget. I never forget. So I forgive and forgive again. Forgive and forgive again. And every time I forgive again. And so that's what we want to do is learn this. And Jesus taught this. This isn't something the church made up. You mean like the Our Father? Yeah, in the Our Father. And we have to forgive from our heart. And again, from our heart. Mm -hmm. Ask the Lord to change our heart and change our minds. That we put on the mind of Christ. That we are willing. Jesus Christ died for us when we were his enemies. When we were his enemies, he died for us. You know, a good man will lay down his life for another good man. Mm -hmm. You know, for someone who's his friend. But while we were yet his enemies, Jesus Christ died for us. He died to reconcile us to himself. And this is... The power of forgiveness to forgive from our heart 
because God has forgiven us. Amen. You know, we owe to God a debt we cannot pay. That's it. So he forgives us. Hey, we owe to each other little debts, you know, like the, in the parable, sure. of, you know. And so we want to forgive from the heart. We want to do this. And the beautiful story that Monday this week was the feast of St. Lawrence, the deacon. Yeah. St. Lawrence was in charge of all the treasures of the church. It was under Diocletian, right? Right. And um, St. Lawrence, he was the pope that had appointed him. He was the head deacon in Rome. He was the uh, archdeacon in Rome. They had appointed seven deacons. This was the custom. And those seven deacons were to distribute, you know, do what the first seven deacons in the church did, serve the poor. And so Lawrence was in charge of the treasury of the church. And so he was supposed to take from the treasury of the church to serve the poor. And so um, when the Pope was rounded up and put in prison, they, then they came after Lawrence to get the treasures of the church. They're like, he's the archdeacon. He's the one who's in charge. Um, excuse me, it's Valerian. It was under Valerian. It was, uh, Lawrence died in 258. Pope Sixtus was the Pope, and it was the persecution of Valerian. And so Lawrence said, okay, well, can I have three days to round up all the treasures? And in that three days, he distributed all the goods of the church to um, to go ahead and so that so that when he would come before Valerian, he would have nothing of material value, so that it wouldn't fall into the hands of the Romans. And then he went and rounded up all the sick and the suffering and the poor. And so when he finally came in, he said, "Here, these are the treasure mm-hmm. of the church, I love this. God's children, yeah. those poor. The, poor. the poor, you know, those who we serve." Yep. And of course, Valerian was furious and Lawrence died. And he was, he's the one who was roasted on the gridiron. And he's the one who said, our Lord allowed him so that he never felt the pain of being roasted on the gridiron. Wow. And so he even joked about it. He did. He said, I'm done on this side. Turn me over. <laughs> now it him. roasted him to death. But, <laughs> you know, the, but just the beautiful, beautiful example of yeah. the saints that, that and again, what did Lawrence show us? And we will talk a little bit about the scripture readings for the Feast of St. Lawrence, that there are special readings for Monday, right. um, uh, August, for, for the Feast of St. Lawrence, yeah, August, 10. August 10th, whatever day of the week that falls on. There are special readings. So we'll talk a little bit about those readings and what it means and how St. Lawrence reflected that. Be right back with Bible with the Barbers. Thank are we having fun time. yet? I think so. I'm learning think a so. lot about the Bible. Jesus said in Matthew 26, Stay awake and pray that you may not enter into temptation. According to St. Ephraim, Jesus, who feared nothing, experienced fear and asked to be freed from death, although he knew it was impossible. How much more must we persevere in prayer before temptation assails us, so that we may be freed when the test has come? May God grant that we may withstand temptation and carry out his will in all things. How does the baby eat? 
Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions, but what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb, not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance, or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org, or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you for tuning in to Bible with the Barbers. And this show is pre-recorded, so unfortunately we can't take any calls. But um, for the Feast of St. Lawrence, August 10th, St. Lawrence the Deacon, the first reading was from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10. And essentially what Paul is talking about is we each have to give to God as we have decided inwardly. But give cheerfully and not sparingly. God has given you everything that you have. Give generously to the poor and you will never be without. And um, he, he quotes from, he scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And that's a quote from the Old Testament. And so Paul is telling us, give cheerfully as you have inwardly decided. But, you know, don't complain. Don't be sad. Be cheerful. The Lord loves a cheerful giver, St. Mm-hmm. Paul tells us. And then we have the reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, 24 through 26. And what does John tell us? He says that Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, There also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. That's a powerful gospel for today. Absolutely. Are we afraid of dying? Exactly. Where are we with the Lord that we're so afraid of dying that people won't come to church? Exactly. And you know, Mary, that was the concern I had reading this is that whoever loves his life will lose it. So the very fact that you're going to go hide under a bed or stay in your home uh, is really uh, not a good thing because what you're saying is, I don't trust God enough. I'm, I'm being honest with you. Exactly. That, that God will. Now, again, Mary, I even went to my wife and I said, Mary, I want to go visit a good friend of mine who's got COVID. Are you okay with that? And she said, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. We got to minister to the sick. And if for some reason I got it, and let's just say, I'm not one of the 99.7% of the people who survive it. I die in the service of the Lord. Guess what, Mary? 
I think not only, I know, don't get me wrong, I hope you'll miss me a little, <laughs> but just get the Gregorian masses prayed. Yeah. And I died with my boots on. Uh, would you be upset at that? No, no. I and didn't think so. We, you know, we can cling to this world. We can cling to the people we love. We can say, oh, you can't get sick. I'll miss you, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what? We're all going to die someday. That's it. None of us gets out alive. That's right. None Last time of I us. Look. We're all going to die. It's going to happen. Yep. And, and I'm not saying hasten your death or be no. ridiculous. You know, don't, don't be imprudent. Don't be imprudent. Be prudent. But the reality is that we know that this disease only kills about 3 per, point, excuse me, 0.3% of the people who get it. And the most vulnerable are those who have a, 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 pre-existing. Com, a pre-existing condition, yep. a comorbidity. A comorbidity. Okay. Big word. But even the people with comorbidities, they have found that with the proper treatment early on, That's right. they can beat this thing. You know, so and, and so you have we have a whole problem going on in our country where people are being bound up in fear and we're not living life anymore. Nope. We're locked down. We're not being friendly. We as Christians, you know, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned. And where are we locked down in our homes? Doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. You know sense. what my comment is? COVID-19 and Christianity are not compatible. And what I mean by that is. We can't stop living our Christianity because of our fear for COVID-19. Right. And the reality is it's not that COVID-19 and Christianity aren't compatible. It's the way that the government is telling us we have to respond to this. Well, I'm going to say, in addition, I'll just pray for our prelates. Yeah. Because I the really, bishops also. Yeah, because in history, we've had this happen, and it's been condemned where prelates are going along with the, the government, the state, at giving uh, orders, and the church has come and said, that shouldn't happen. What the reality is, is the church has defined that it is a heresy yeah. to say that the church is subject to the state. What? You yes. see, the church is a divine organization. Jesus Christ founded the church. He is God. Right. So there is no state on the face of this earth. There's no man-made organization that can dictate to the church. That's right. And, and as a, one pastor in San Francisco who was doing perpetual adoration of the Blessed Sacrament in his parish during yep. this whole lockdown, yep. and the um, mayor of San Francisco called him and said, um, you need to shut down your parish. And he said, I answer to a higher power. Uh, that's our friend. And, and <laughs> then he, the, so the, the mayor called the bishop, and yep. the bishop said, well, I'm not shutting him down. You can't dictate to me. That's right. But all we need to pray that our bishops have this courage because essentially what's happening, I'm not calling them heretics. Yeah. But they're living a heresy by saying that the church can dictate, excuse me, the, the state, state, the state can dictate to the church how she is to worship God. Yeah. This idea that we have to receive communion in the hand because we might pass on a disease. Well, you're going to pass it on more frequently with your hand than you will with your mouth. But second of all, no, the state doesn't have a right to dictate to us how we worship God. And, and our bishops need to stand against the state and say, no, we, you know what? We're going to sue you. We're going to sue you for damages. We're going to sue you for the lives that were lost. We're going to sue you for the people that you hurt by not allowing us to have funerals and by locking down our churches and by not allowing us to give the sacraments to people and people who have died without the last rites. So sad. We're going to sue you I'm for going the to, damage you've caused. I'm going to go the extra step, Mary, and say that clericalism is somewhere where the priest or bishop is overexceeding his authority. And when a bishop says we cannot receive Holy Communion on the tongue— that's contrary to what the official church teaching is. The ordinary means of receiving Holy Communion is on the, tongue, on the tongue, and the exception, you can receive it in the hand. And to take that away, even if he's an archbishop or cardinal, goes against what the church teaches. And so I call that clericalism. I know this sounds like I'm a renegade. No, I, I believe, Je- Danielle, I believe this. 
that the undermining of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, the devil loves all this. Yes, Why? he does. Because people aren't going to church. Right. People aren't praying. People aren't going to confession. People are now going to receive communion if they do on the hand, which potentially has, well, for, for devil worshipers, it's easy to steal that way. Right. So the only one that's happy about this is the devil. Right. You think maybe we should rethink this and say, wait a minute, what is our Lord wanting? What is... How can we bring people deeper into a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the question I'm asking. Amen. And, and again, that brings us back to Fatima, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Doesn't it? And that, 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 yeah. the angel came for a, a year before Our Lady appeared. Yes. The angel came and taught the children how to adore Jesus we in the were Blessed at that Sacrament. Chair, at that tree. We were at that tree. Yes. And so look up the Fatima prayers online. Start July, saying these yeah. prayers. We need to make reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences by, which, by yeah. which Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is offended. And this was all the way back in 1917. You know, That's right. Our Lady appeared and said to the children. Yeah. And so we need to realize that we need to make reparation to Jesus. And again, no bishop has the power to suspend public masses, not in his diocese, unless he's unless there's like s such serious sin going on in regards to the liturgy that he's stopping the priest who's committing serious er you know, sin in regards to celebrating the liturgy. And he has to give put the, the diocese under interdict because nobody in the diocese is willing to obey the church. Yeah, that's, you know, but different, yeah. that's a different circumstance. That's not what's happening here. No. What's happening here is out of fear of death. We're becoming slaves. Again, Hebrews. The children remain slaves their whole life long out of fear of death. No, the seed has to fall to the ground and die. And the first death we have to die is our desire to live forever on this earth. We have to die to our desire to want to dictate to God how things should be. We need to conform ourselves to reality. We need to conform our minds to reality. You know, truth is not what I think or what you think or how I feel or you feel. Nope. Truth is when we adapt our mind to reality. And Amen. what is the greatest reality? That God exists. Yep. And it's not an article of faith that God exists. By the way, you don't need faith to know it. Any intellectually honest human being can come to the knowledge that God exists. Can I make a suggestion as an action item? Because we're at the end of the show, <gasps> which is, I know, just a couple minutes, <laughs> it, which is read your Bible every day. Amen. Okay? Amen. Read your catechism every day. Amen. Get inspiration from your catechism. Think about the supernatural side of life. I think what's happened, Mary, is what we've been so much focused on what my body, you know, my health being, yeah. a, you know, yeah. that we forgot about our spiritual health. And I, I think of a virus. You know what the bigger virus than COVID-19 is? The virus of mortal sin. Amen. The virus of mortal sin and the, vi the, the virus that is killing truth in our society, oh, in our hearts, yes. in our church. Pray for our bishops. Get down on our knees. Pray and mm. sacrifice. Our lady said souls go to hell because they have no one to That's pray right. and sacrifice. Make sacrifices for our bishop. Make holy hours. And, and if you can't do anything else, go outside your church and pray the rosary outside your church and ask God to open these doors so that you can come in and spend time with him. The very fact that our Lord is present in the Blessed Sacrament in the churches throughout mm. our country and those churches are locked. Yeah, that is a slap in the face to our Lord Jesus Christ. That's true. You're saying, Jesus, you can't take care of us. You're not going to pr protect us. The thing Jesus protects us from is sin. That's, That's right. what hurts us the most is sin. Mm -hmm. We have to confess our sins. Go to confession, confess your sins, pray for your bishops and ask them, please open our churches. Allow us to have Eucharistic adoration. And you know what? You need to tell the Department of Health and also the governor of the state, the state of California is where we live. 
that you've overstepped your bounds. That's right. You don't have a right to dictate to the church how we will worship God. We need to worship God according to what God has said. That's the higher form, what God says. What God but says. even our government, okay, the First Amendment that we agreed on right. for our country is the right of worship, right. meaning that the government doesn't tell us how to worship. Exactly. So we have a higher value than the government saying exactly. it. But we have both, the government and God saying you can't tell individuals how to worship and what, what not to worship. We have freedom of religion in this country. Right. And so we worship God because God is God and we are not. Yeah. You don't need faith to know that God exists. That God exists is a self-evident truth. What, what about just looking out at the sky at night and seeing the stars or seeing nature and asking yourself, how did all this come together? Exactly. We See, those, are the, those are the res- responsible things to say, you know, you must have strong faith if you think this mountain and this sun and the moon came together just this right. That is by chance. Str- yeah, by chance. <laughs> Give me a break. It seems much more reasonable that there was a first cause. There had to be a first cause, and that's what's reasonable. And yeah, the first cause is. is God. Amen. God created everything that is, and he, everything that he made is good. We are good. We are made in his image. But we need to live in the freedom of the children of God, which means we give up our fear of death. That's what St. Lawrence did. Yeah. He said, no, I'm not afraid of dying. And, and I will die. I will die for Christ because I know that by dying for Christ, then I gain heaven. I gain eternal life. Exactly. And Mary, one more comment. Can you read that little comment from the Benedictine monk? More good can be done in a single hour of adoration than in a hundred days of uninterrupted preaching and apostolic labors. For when you are with me, I am working for you. Come and spend time with Jesus. That's from Encine Jesu, When Heart Speaks to Heart, the Journal of a Priest at Prayer. It was by a Benedictine monk who didn't even sign his name to the book. Let's adore Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, a single hour of adoration. Okay, a single hour of meditating on Christ's passion has more value than a year of fasting on bread and water, the saints have taught us. So meditate on Christ's passion. Come and visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. I have a Bible study on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. at the chapel. You're welcome to join us. And thank you for listening to the Bible with the Barbers. Again, share this, like it, share it, uh, bring your friends, have other people listen, share it to your email list and to all of your friends. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love, and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin most powerful radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.